I drive zero RB in Dynasty. Pass up a young receiver? Nah, I couldn't be me. My fifth wide receiver, and it's only round seven. Not sure if I'm dead, cause I think this is heaven. Now forget what he said, and listen to me. What you really wanna do is stack those RBs. You can be Linda, just let me be frank. Those RBs on your roster is money in the bank. One says it's awful, the other says it's great. It's time to buckle in for a dynasty debate. Welcome in, welcome in, welcome in. Episode 22 of dynasty debates i am your humble host as always evan brown the humblest host some might say you can catch me on twitter at ff evan lucian like revolution but you know my name in it evan lucian get it uh you can follow the show at dynasty debates if you so wish you can drop an email dynasty debates at gmail.com there is so many ways you can get in touch and you should definitely do that guys episode 22 and we're recording on 2 2 22 how cool is that? Mm-hmm. And not only that, I have two guests this week. This is meant to be. I, I was going to have a good friend on this week, and last minute, unfortunately, she was not able to hop on. But such is the brotherhood of sport, the amazing men and women of the industry that I have been able to get two amazing guests lined up very much last minute. So without further ado, I want to introduce BJ Rudell at BJ Rudell, Pro Football Network's head director of fantasy football. BJ, how the heck are you, buddy? I'm great, Evan Hutchinson. Great to sorry sorry to uh, uh, to say Hutchinson's name with before you introduced him. But, uh, <laughs> Not a problem. Spoiler. Spoiler. Podcast. And none other than Hutchinson Brown, a fellow Brown at TYFMNFL on Twitter, host of The Young Fantasy Mind, a great podcast. And Hutchinson, how are you, buddy? I'm doing great. And you got my Twitter handle right. A lot of people mess it up on the first try, so I'm glad you got it right. Well, see, that's why they pay me the big bucks, you know. Um, But yeah, guys. How are you? First of all, BJ, thanks so much for hopping on here last minute. I appreciate you. Um, do you want to just give me a quick little and like kind of spiel about what it is you do and kind of your space in the fantasy football community? What do I do? About 10 years ago, I uh, wrote a book called Fantasy Football for Winners and then launched a blog on that and uh, uh, worked a normal uh, set of jobs uh, while doing that on the side. And then in October, somehow got hired by Pro Football Network uh, to take everything I'd learned in those 10 years and uh, help build uh, the fantasy department that's already terrific uh, at Pro Football Network and, and help uh, grow it and, uh, and keep getting good content out there. So uh, I'm enjoying it. And uh, again, it's great to be here, Evan. That is awesome. I'm excited to um, to have you on. Thank you very much. And Hutchison, he's got a great story. Hutchison, first of all, just so people that maybe if they don't know, how old are you again? I'm 15, Evan. <laughs> He's 15, folks. That is incredible. I love that. Um, so just very quickly, obviously, like the the 32nd series, uh, how did you get into kind of creating content at such a young age? And like, how long have you been doing it and things like that? I mean, I got into creating content from listening to my favorite podcast. You know, shout out to JJ Zacharies and the Fantasy Footballers. Love both those two. Those are my favorites, you know, when I was kind of into fantasy football. And then I kind of researched how to make a podcast and figured out, hey, I could I could totally do this. And I started a Twitter page, started the podcast, and it, it's just kind of gone from there. I've done this nearly a year now. Like my first tweet, I think it was on Feb- February 27th. So we're coming up on that date, like almost one year now. And it's it's been such an incredible journey. And I'm 
just I'm just so happy I started it because this is something that I want to potentially start as a you know do as a career if I can. So I'm working on it. That's amazing, man. That is so cool. That's a props to you as well for for going for it. You know, at such a young age, that's really cool to um, just to see that. So I'm excited to have you on. And you're a big Eagles fan, so yeah. our our guest that we were going to have on is an Eagles fan as well. So you're going to be able to jump in here and give us some some of the down low on the Philadelphia Eagles a little bit later on, but. First and foremost, before we go any further, we've got a lot to catch up on. Spilling the tea. There has been an absolute boatload of changes since the last episode dropped. It, it feels like in the offseason, you think that things slow down, but especially when you're in, into dynasty fantasy football and um, when you're paying attention to all these sort of offseason things, so much can happen in a week. So literally just going to run yep. through it here um, and correct me if I've missed anything, fellas, here. But the Bears have appointed Ryan Poles as their new GM um, from the Chiefs and Matt Eberflus as the head coach coming over f- uh, he was the defensive coordinator for the Indianapolis Colts. Yep. The Packers um, lost Nathaniel Hackett to the Denver Broncos. He is their new head coach. Um, my Minnesota Vikings have appointed Kwesi Adolfo Mensa as their new GM, um, taking him from the Browns. So it's a bit of a merry-go-round carousel here going on. The Giants have appo- appointed Joe Schoen as new GM and Brian Dable as new head coach, both coming over from the Bills. Um, as if that wasn't enough news, we've also got the Raiders announcing Dave Ziegler as new GM and Josh McDaniels as head coach. And then these last couple here, um, fairly surprising in some senses, maybe not so surprising in others, but still massive news. Sean Payton has announced he's stepping away from coaching for 2022. Uh, so he will not be back with the Saints this year. And then Tom Brady, the GOAT, TB12 himself, finally yeah. officially retired so that's an awful lot that is a whole mouthful there fellas but is there anything at all that jumps out at you anything you wanted to point out or kind of highlight before we move on there just in regards to how it's going to affect the dynasty landscape this offseason uh i mean tom brady retiring is huge for you know mike those tampa bay weapons that tampa bay offense all those pieces like tom brady was the guy like they put this offense through tom brady and it's going to be so, so interesting to see what the Buccaneers do at quarterback because there are a lot of, you know, trade options. There's a couple free agent options we'll talk about. Like, there are a few guys they can totally bring in and that they can compete with. So it'll be very interesting to see, like, do they just let everybody go? Because they do have a lot of guys to resign, and they could potentially just let them all go. Like, they're pretty much their entire offense, besides Mike Evans, is a free agent next season. Like, I mean, in terms of fantasy offense, so they could let the, all those pieces go, let a lot of guys on defense go and just kind of start a rebuild, or they can bring in like an Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson and just try to compete for a Super Bowl, which is really potentially what they could do. So Tom Brady retiring, I mean, obviously just an amazing career from Tom Brady, but it's good. It just has so much effect on this Buccaneers offense for fantasy. It's going to be very interesting to see how uh, everything goes this offseason because there's a lot to figure out. Absolutely. I think that's a really, really good point um and that is one of the biggest impacts is you know the knock-on domino effect that it could have i mean i would assume uh gronk probably doesn't come back because of yeah. Tom retiring um obviously like you say it could be a big change what if um you know bruce arians may not even want to come back potentially you know i don't think he wants to be any part of a rebuild but bj what are your what are your thoughts on the yeah. whole situation on the Bucks, and then I'll mention a couple other uh, thoughts. The Bucks, I have a very uninformed uh, uh, position on it, which is that I think if Brady and the Bucks had won this year, I think he would have stuck with it and gone for ten Super Bowls. Um, I think that 
uh, right. they were not good enough. Uh, even if Chris Godwin had been healthy, uh, I don't think they would have been good enough uh, to win the Super Bowl. Maybe that's a controversial statement, but it wasn't just Godwin's injury. I mean, this was a, a defense that was not as uh, underperformed based a lot on injuries um, and underperformed in general. Their run defense was supposed to be their strength and it let them down uh, more often than not. Um, I think that this is a case where uh, just what what Hutchinson is saying in terms of the the potential rebuild that this could uh, lead to uh, could have dramatic impacts on Dynasty. Anyone who is trading for or away, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, uh, you know, you name it, we don't know what's going to happen. Nobody does. So it's all a crapshoot. I will say this. My theory is that uh, I cannot see a top 12 quarterback signing with the Bucks. I don't think anyone wants to follow Brady uh, in Tampa Bay with the expectation that if they don't win the Super Bowl, um, they were worse than Tom Brady at age 44. I think most people can sit down and rationalize that, but no one wants to be in a position where the scrutiny is you have to win probably with less resources uh, than, uh, uh, than Brady had. I just see this as being a rebuild with either a back end, you know, bottom 10 quarterback looking to uh, reclimate their reputation and rebuild their career or uh, trading up, trying to get a decent rookie that in two years can help get them back to the playoffs. And then really quickly, I'll say that uh, Matt Nagy leaving the Bears, anything that allows Justin Fields to flourish in that offense, I think is great news for for those who have uh, drafted fields, uh, he is definitely a lottery ticket based on his uh, skill set and uh, and the fact that uh, uh, even though, you know, Everflus is, you know, former defensive coordinator, uh, this is going to be a shift from the philosophy of Nagy, which I think will be a good approach. And I will say this also, um, the change of the guard in the Giants organization, it's rare to see that much talent on a team do that little and that much money thrown at, at players do that little. I think Kenny Galladay is a great acquisition for the Giants. They didn't spend 70, 80 million dollars last year uh, for a guy to get one target, two targets a game down the stretch. Uh, I think this will be a Galladay friendly passing attack. Uh, don't assume that you're going to have four, five, six guys involved in this. I think they're going to streamline it. And I think uh, Galladay is going to play a very big role. I would put him in the top 40, which doesn't sound bold, but if you see where other people are ranking him, it sounds <laughs> yeah. a little unconventional. And I would say Galladay is a strong buy uh, given this coaching change. Nice. Yeah, I like it. Actionable advice. I love it. And that's what this show is all about is trying to just break things down, give people actionable advice. And I like what you said as well um, to your point there, BJ, about the Bucks. I think there could definitely, you know, maybe not in one of the, you know, in one of these like shark leagues where everybody is super smart and has a podcast like Hutchison here. But if you're just in a, in a league with a bunch of, you know, regular Joes, um, there could be some, some panicked managers, you know, there could be some worried managers, uh, worried Fournette managers, worried Evans managers, worried Godwin managers, and with Buck, you know, with the Bucks losing Brady, um, and depending on what those ripple out effects are, there could be very much some interesting buy low opportunities presenting themselves. Yeah. So absolutely it'll uh something that we'll talk about all offseason, I'm sure as things continue to you know crystallize and we continue to see coaching staffs evolve um and maybe see what happens in free agency and in the draft and um see how I plug that. Just a little uh, lead that into the next part of the show here. The main event.
Fight! Since we're on the subject anyways, I figured we might as well get into it. Today we are talking free agent frenzy. We're going to hit on the impending free agent class because it is right around the corner. And it's an important part of the offseason puzzle that I think sometimes you can tend to forget about in the midst of thinking about the Super Bowl. And then everyone, you know, understandably so, getting really psyched for the draft. So just for, for anybody maybe who's just new to Dynasty or people who don't really even think about this sort of stuff, uh, free agency will kick off on March 16th. So we are going to be, you know, there's still a couple of weeks. They got to get past the Super Bowl. And then, you know, yeah. there's going to be a little bit of buzz about what's happening. And then that's when free agency kicks off. Everyone can uh, go and look and sign new contracts and things like that. So what we're going to do is I am going to run through um, each position. So I'll, I've kind of gone through. There's a, So the way free agency works is there is a lot of free agents and um and all the sort of different positions quarterback running back wide receiver but so what i've done is i've tried to narrow it down only two players that are somewhat or semi-relevant uh in dynasty so i'm going to run through the list and then what we'll do is i'll kick it to each guest and try and get them to maybe pull out a couple of players they want to highlight um maybe some some landing spots that they would really love for that player or i'm um, just even in general are they interested in acquiring or um, getting rid of that player? So to kick it off here, we're going to look at the quarterbacks. Um, not a lot going on with the quarterbacks. Like I say, not a lot of significantly valuable quarterbacks um, coming up in free agency. So we've got Ryan Fitzpatrick, who we don't know. You know, he, We haven't heard anything that he's officially retired. He is 39. It wouldn't surprise me if he does retire, but we haven't heard that. And he will be a free agent. So he's on the list. Teddy Bridgewater. Um, he will be 29 years old. He came off a fairly uninspiring season there with the Denver Broncos. Marcus Mariota, he will be 28. He's been the backup for Derek Carr for the last couple of years. He will be a free agent. Um, Jameis Winston, just coming off of his injury um, with the Saints, he will be 28. Mitchell Trubisky, age 27, he signed that one-year deal with Buffalo. So it'll be interesting to see if there's any, um, you know, any kind of any sort of interest in him in the market um, with all these different teams looking for quarterback help. And then finally, Dwayne Haskins, age 24, um, has spent last year kind of on the bench there with the Steelers. So I've kind of gone through here looking, and, and from what I can see, I would say the main team, there are quite a few teams in need of quarterback help or potentially even just a quarterback starter. I would say, obviously, the Steelers, the Broncos, Washington, um, the Commanders. I forgot to put that in the news. That only happened today. So yeah. Washington football team, no longer Washington football team. They are now the Washington Commanders. Mm-hmm. Um, the Panthers, Saints, and Bucks, and there's a couple other teams. But what I'll do here is I'll throw it to you first, BJ. Any of these guys of any interest to you whatsoever in acquiring maybe in a super flex or anything like that? Yeah, I've always had a soft spot for Ryan Fitzpatrick because I don't know mm-hmm. of any quarterback who's been a bridge quarterback to a younger, uh, uh, more you know higher upside quote unquote quarterback than Ryan Fitzpatrick has been. I think he's done it four or five times in his career. Um, and if you take all of his games in terms of what he started on a per game basis, uh, he rivals a lot of the top ten, top fifteen quarterbacks of all time in terms of what he could have done if those games had stretched out over 13, 14, 15 uh, seasons. So all that being said, uh, uh, I think that if Ryan Fitzpatrick ends up in a spot like Tampa Bay, where he has two good receivers, um, or in New Orleans, where Michael Thomas is back to being Michael Thomas, I could see Ryan Fitzpatrick being a solid um, uh, back-end streamer because you can't count him out even at 39 years old. If he hadn't gotten hurt in week one, uh, this past season, 
who knows what Terry McLaurin could have done. I think that offense would have been more dynamic. The passing game would have been more, more dynamic. I'm not counting out Ryan Fitzpatrick. And the other one, I'll say, I'll, I'll, I'm, I'm wondering if Hutchinson wants to talk about Jameis Winston. I'm trying to get inside his head. And I'm not going to talk about Winston for that reason, just on a hunch. But I'm going to say Mitchell Trubisky. Um, Mitchell Trubisky, uh, uh, what was it, three years ago, he was fifth in the league in rushing yards. And then inexplicably, uh, 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 Nagy just decided that he would not be a, a, a run heavy uh, quarterback as a, as a two way, as a dual threat quarterback, Trubisky was actually streamable frequently during that 2018 campaign. When that went away and he just became a pocket passer, he lost so much of, of what he could bring to the table. He's never going to be a top eight quarterback. But I do believe he's demonstrated the ability to be top 12 to top 14 if he's put in the right system. I'm fascinated to see if Trubisky can revitalize his career. Yeah, I really like I, I'm really glad you actually said that because, the, you know, Trubisky became such a kind of laughing stock for a while, you know, and he was just like a bit of a, a yeah. joke, a running joke. You know, people would like mock you for having Trubisky or, you know, for taking him in a startup or something like that. But um, as we've seen with Trevor Lawrence, as we've seen with so many of these quarterbacks, a lot of the times it's a lot on the coaching staff and a lot on the circumstances that they have. And I'm not suggesting, like you said, BJ, I'm not suggesting that Trubisky is a Patrick Mahomes or is a Deshaun Watson, but with his mobility and things like that, I think there's very much a chance if he's, if he was given a reasonable set of circumstances and support that he could actually, you know, easily, like you said, be a low end quarterback, one high end quarterback two, especially in super flex. And I think you could get him really reasonably at the moment. Cause I don't think people are thinking about him. And I think that that uh, mindset that he's rubbish and that he's kind of almost worthless quote unquote is still imprinted on people's minds. What do you, what's your take on that Hutch? I mean, yeah. I mean, I in a super flex league, I'm not willing to buy him for more than like a late, late third. Like this is not like something I'm excited about. But I agree with you. There is potential there. There's absolute potential. The Mitchell Biscuit. We've seen him be relevant before. He's made a Pro Bowl before, if I'm not mistaken, right? Like he's been very relevant in the past with the Chicago Bears. So I feel like with the right opportunity, he can definitely do something. Yeah, I, I agree. I'm not going out and throwing first around trying to acquire him, but I don't think you no. have to at this point. I think if you do a deal, you could maybe get him thrown in, you know, on a deal or even maybe if you've got a couple extra seconds, maybe a late, late second in a 12 or 14 team league and you're hurting, you know, it could be worth possibly um, exploring that. But again, yeah, certainly not going out and throwing around a first or, or anything like that to get oh, him. Yeah. I'll add real quick, just because yeah, we're on, we're, we're still on the subject of Trubisky, which is awesome. He was, I just looked it up because I wanted to check for myself. He was 11th in QB points per game back in 2018. And that was the year uh, that he, you know, was a, a dual threat rusher, passer. He was, and I think that's why Buffalo signed him, to be honest. I think he is a very junior level clone of Josh Allen. Uh, and I think that if Allen had gotten hurt, Trubisky could have come in and still run an offense uh, similar to what Josh Allen ran. I think Trubisky, if, if, if he can be a running threat and get 400 to 500 yards like he did uh, three years ago, I do think, uh, I mean, being 11th in QB points per game, there, it's hard to argue with that. Uh, and it's not to say he could do it again, but I'm always a fan of seeing what people's ceilings are. And I like that ceiling for a guy that, like you said, Evan, pretty much everyone's forgotten about. Yeah, like if he, if he could land in, 
you know, Pittsburgh for talk's sake. I would love that. I think that would be brilliant because they have a really solid sort of win now roster. They're not like a complete rebuild that's just going to look to, you know, build up over the next two or three years. They've got a really solid receiver core. They've got a really good running back. They've got a good defense. They need work on the offensive line, but if they could get a mobile quarterback, that helps the offensive line. So if he could land somewhere like Steelers, then that automatically boosts his value up a lot. So if you're managing to get him really low now and then he signs somewhere like that, then obviously that's a win for you. But as is there anybody, anybody Hutchinson that jumps out from, from that list other than Trubisky? Anybody you want to talk about there? Jameis Winston is interesting to me. He is. BJ was de- was dead on, right? He is interesting to me, but because like in the first few games when he was playing, like he, he did have ups and downs, but he was had some like top 10 finishes for fantasy football. Like he had some really good finishes for fantasy football. And I think that's totally interesting if you were to go to a place and he was in a place at that time with like no weapons. The Saints like really like had one, arguably the worst receiving core in the league this year. Like they were awful. So I, with James Woodson putting up those numbers in that offense was pretty impressive. So here to go somewhere with you know more pieces uh, at the receiving core, he could absolutely do something. And then Teddy Bridgewater, it's not really that I'm interested in him, but I'm scared of where he goes because he can't throw deep. So if here to go somewhere, like he ruined Cortland Sutton this year, absolutely ruined him. So if you were to go somewhere where there's like a really nice deep threat like that receiver is just not, not there for me. Like I'm not touching that player. Like there's just no way I can touch him because Teddy Bridgewater has shown over his career that he is not a guy that wants to throw deep, can throw deep or will throw deep. And it doesn't matter how like deep pass off, like centralized their offense is. He's not going to do it. So Teddy Bridgewater is someone that I'm afraid of, but then, yeah, no, I understand that. I mean, I sort of feel like, when you look at the landscape of who needs a quarterback, I sort of feel like maybe is he destined for just a backup role at this stage? Because if you think might about be. it, he's not going to go back to the Panthers because they just got rid of him. <laughs> he might, you could have maybe, you know, possibly seen a world where he would go back to the Saints if Peyton was still there, but he's gone now. So I doubt they're going to want him back. Um, the Bucks again, that's really doesn't seem like something, an avenue that they would look to be going down. And then the Broncos, he just was there. And again, the Steelers, I mean, I understand maybe the Steelers, but I just couldn't see it really. Um, So yeah, I agree with your point there. It's almost like you're not so much interested in acquiring him, but you're kind of worried for where he might land. Yeah. Where he might ruin, might ruin somebody's value. So um, I guess the only thing you can do with Teddy Bridgewater really is if you, if you do have him in a super flex, if he does sign anywhere and there's a bit of buzz, I would try to flip him. Yeah. I would try to, to get him off my roster because I just don't see personally. I mean, look, we just talked about Mitchell Trubisky in a positive light. So I am absolutely for reclamation projects. I'm absolutely for finding the diamond in the rough, but, um, and I'm a Vikings fan. So, you know, Hey, I respect Teddy Bridgewater. I, I like the guy. He's a great guy, but I, I just don't see the upside with Teddy Bridgewater. He doesn't offer anything in, in rushing and he's not, yes, he's safe with the ball. Um, he doesn't turn the ball over a lot, but he's not aggressive enough. And he had an incredible, you know, an incredible receiving core there in Denver. And if he wasn't able to do much with that, I don't see where he's going to go that he's going to be all of a sudden super fantasy relevant. So if any sort of buzz occurs in free agency and he does get signed somewhere and people start thinking he's going to be the starter or push for the starting position and you can get something out of it, I'm all aboard um, flipping him. So we are going to hit up the wide receivers. So same again, I'm just going to run through the list of 
basically anyone and everyone who could even be semi-fantasy relevant. And then I'll throw it to Hutchie first here as he went second last time just to keep things fair. And then we will get BJ's informed opinions as well. So we have Allen Robinson coming off a very disappointing year um, with the Bears. He will be an unrestricted free agent, age 28. We've got Chris Godwin coming off a serious injury um, with a phenomenal year with the now-retired Tom Brady. He will be 26 before the season starts. We've got Will Fuller, who managed to waste an entire year in Miami. Uh, Jamison Crowder, he's 28. He'll be an unrestricted free agent. Juju Smith-Schuster will be 25, unrestricted free agent. Mike Williams, 27. Christian Kirk, 25. OBJ will be an unrestricted free agent. He is 29. The suddenly resurgent OBJ, I might add. Put some respect on his name. DJ yeah. Chark, I think a lot of us have forgotten existed. DJ Chark, do 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 That was a lot of fun. Um, he's only 25. And Michael Gallup, 26. Russell Gage, 26. And Jacoby Myers, 25. So, Hachi, who do you love? Who do you want to talk about? And what would you be willing to give up for them? So, the first one, I mean, I'm really interested... It's not necessarily the, I mean, there are three receivers that I see surrounding one team and in free agency this year, it's the New England Patriots. And I'm talking about Allen Robinson. Or actually there's four, there's four. I can see going to the Patriots, Allen Robinson, Chris Godwin, Michael Gallup, and then on the Patriots right now, Jacoby Myers. I feel like those four receivers, I feel like at least two of them by the end of this off season, by the end of this free agency will be on the Patriots. I feel like at least two of them, and Jacoby Myers might not be one of them. I could realistically see the Patriots bringing Allen Robinson and Michael Gallup. They just brought in John Smith and Hunter Henry last offseason, and they want to build what they have in Mac Jones. Mac Jones just have a heck, uh, just had a heck of a rookie career. They're going to want to build off that and help him get his confidence up a little bit. Maybe start getting in more pass attempts for him, and you know, build the weapons around him a little bit. So, Allen Robinson, Chris Godwin, both of them, if they were to go there, and Jacoby Myers is not there. I could see both hitting the wide receiver one uh, thing. I know Allen Robinson just came off a disappointing season. I, I'm not worried about it at all. I don't think it's his talent. I don't think it's anything. I just think he was done with Chicago. He was not in with Matt Nagy. He was not in with, you know, how this Bears offense is running. Like you clearly see like when he was running, like when he was going for blocking routes, like he just straight up did not try on some plays. Like he straight up just did not try on some blocking plays there viral videos around Twitter of him just literally giving up on blocking. He's, it just shows that it just goes to show he's clearly done with the bears and he's going to move. I firmly believe he's going to move on this off season. And it's, he has been underrated, you know, in previous years of his career, but I feel like now people are starting to respect him a little bit more. So if you were to go to another team, the, the price is going to start to lift. So right now I'm willing to buy for like a second round pick. If you can get him for a second round or even the third, I've seen him go for like a 301 in a league, a super flex dynasty Whoa. league. So if you can buy him for something like that, like a mid second round pick or lower, I'm all in on that because once he moves to another team, there it, it, that's not going to be the price. It's going to go up from there. Chris Godwin, Chris Godwin, I would lean more towards a first, probably like a lower end first. I'd try to get for lower end first if you can. If not, I'm willing to pay like a mid first. This draft class, honestly is is pretty weak like i mean you know they, they have some talented guys but especially at quarterback it is a weaker draft class so i'm willing to you know throw out some higher end draft picks because of that i want to sell jacoby myers if you can because i feel like this offense was just built for him perfectly and i feel like on a different offense he's not going to thrive as much and i feel like he's going to go to a more crowded receiving core 
because outside of him, there weren't many weapons that they depended on play after play after play. Jacoby Myers was the only guy next to Hunter Henry that they really depended on. And then the last one was Michael Gallup. Michael Gallup, you know, we talked about him a little bit. We don't know what he can really do yet. We, we've seen him, you know, have some nice seasons, have some low seasons, deal with injuries uh, every now and then. But on a team, like if I would see him go with like a Chris Godwin or Allen Robinson, like a shorter pass option, and then he, you know, operates as a, you know, down the field threat, he's absolutely someone that can get wide receiver two numbers. So the Patriots are a team that's just so interesting to me. And those four receivers, I feel like, are circling the Patriots' radar this offseason. Yeah, no, I mean, I definitely, to your point, the Godwin to the Patriots is definitely a move that I thought about in my head. I was like, that just feels like such a Bill Belichick thing to do, um, to get like a a cheap deal because he's injured and stuff like that, you know, and he doesn't want to go back to uh, Tampa Bay now that Tom's gone, probably things like that. Um, I could definitely see that happening. Um, But what are your thoughts here, BJ? Do you have any sort of wider, do you have any, anything you want to add to what Hutchinson's brought up? Or do you have any guys that are jumping out to you or any, like any values that you see in this um, impending free agent? class for wide receivers? Uh, first of all, um, I agree a hundred percent with Hutchinson on the uh, two impact receivers uh, going to the Patriots. I think uh, you are spot on with that. Uh, this is uh, Belichick is not content to uh, wait. Um, he has an opportunity with Mac Jones to see whether or not he is the franchise quarterback that they thought he would be. Uh, Mac Jones showed uh, poise, but he also showed that um, he's not ready. The only thing I would say, sorry, BJ, the only thing I would say that concerns me for them is because they spent so much money last year. So they don't have that much cap room as it stands. I think they've only got about 7 million cap room. Um, So they're not going to be able to do as much splashy signing. So they're going to have to work out some cap stuff. They're going to have to get some team friendly deals. But to your point, uh, both Allen Robinson and specifically Chris Godwin probably are in a situation where they're willing to do that for the right team. So sorry, BJ, go ahead. Oh no, I was just, I, I, I'm not sure who would end up there, but I agree wholeheartedly that I think uh, uh, Belichick and his staff, if in, in my head, again, it's always an uninformed head. Um, that would be uh, the name of my podcast, Hutchinson. If I had one, it'd be the uninformed <laughs> head. Um, uh, it, and uh, it's basically, uh, this is a case where Mac Jones uh, can be as good as uh, as if Mac Jones is to be as good as the Patriots believe he can be. Uh, Jacoby Myers and Nelson Aguilar cannot be the top two receivers. Um, uh, they they need uh, impact talent. They need playmakers. Uh, uh, Myers and Aguilar are probably outside the top fifty. In, the, in those categories, they just happen, uh, Myers in particular, and we've seen Kendrick Bourne um, elevate because of a dearth of, t- of uh, sufficient talent surrounding them. So I think if you bring in one or two, it could be DJ Chark, could be any number of guys, but I do agree with that sentiment that I would be eyeing the Patriots and I'd be very excited uh, to uh, invest, not necessarily in Godwin in New England, because I'm not sure Mac Jones in the short term is going to be able to give Godwin uh, the numbers uh, that we are accustomed to seeing Godwin get. But I do believe that someone who is more of a, uh, I guess, a question mark, like a Robinson, like a DJ Chark, uh, could thrive in that environment as a true number one. 
And I think as well, a um, couple of names very quickly that I would point out that I am semi-interested in would be DJ Chark because he has become such a forgotten man. You know, he got injured very early in the season. And let's be honest, the Jags had a bit of a nightmare of a season, um, you know, with the Urban Meyer experience and all that went with it. So I, I feel like you could probably get him very cheaply at the moment. And depending on where he lands, I mean, he definitely showed some promise in Jacksonville with pretty suboptimal quarterback play. So I think he could be someone that's very interesting. And, um, and I definitely like Michael Gallup as well. I think Michael Gallup and, um, you know, and Chris Godwin as well are unfortunate in the sense that they both were having solid seasons. They both got injured. So now their market is probably going to be a little bit impacted. Yeah, so BJ has had to leave there. He's a busy man, got a lot going on right now. But we are going to continue on here and wrap up the wide receivers. Um, and then we're going to hit running backs and tight ends next week. But just real quickly on the wide receivers here, I want to get your take on OBJ Hutchison because he's been much maligned these last couple of years. And he was pretty disappointing um, with Cleveland. But he's been pretty pretty good since he's come over to the Rams and at first it felt like it was maybe just luck with touchdowns and that was kind of buoying his um his sort of like the what he was bringing to your squad but even this last week against San Francisco getting over 100 yards making some really clutch plays um he's looking a lot more solid where are you at I mean he is 29 years old but obviously we know the pedigree uh and we know the skills that he does have are you out on him are you looking to sell high are you looking to acquire what are your thoughts on obj moving into 2022 i'm i'm very interested in obj for 2022 like i mean i'm very interested in him 100 i think he gets a one-year deal maybe a two-year deal with the rams i think the rams are going to try to keep him going to super bowl but look guys obj has like obj is legit and he's been legit like it just has not been his fault it's never been his fault it should never be known as his fault what happened in Cleveland, the off, it was just not meshing. And, you know, me, me, when I'm saying it's not his fault, I'm saying it's not his talent that was in the way. It was, it might've been his attitude. Maybe his attitude towards the team affected the amount of targets he got and affected, you know, how Baker Mayfield, how much Baker Mayfield threw the ball to him. That definitely could be a part of it, but his OBJ's talent has never been a part of this. It's going to be interesting to see what happens with Robert Woods. Like, when Robert Woods comes back, like, do they let go of OBJ and say, thank you for your playoff service, but we're going to have Robert Woods as our number two, or are they going to trade Robert Woods away? Are they going to just kind of ignore Robert Woods from now on? Like, I have no idea what they're going to do with Robert Woods, but Odo Beckham, if he is left on that team in that offense with Robert Woods, not there, he can absolutely be wide, a wide receiver too. So I'm willing to buy for like a second round pick if you can. That is fair. I mean, a couple other guys then that I would highlight. Um, I think Will Fuller is interesting only in the sense yeah. that you can get him for like dirt cheap because I think people are just so sick to the back teeth well, of Will Fuller with his injuries. Exactly. You, he you just know, can't like, yeah, I'm, I'm mad at him about his injuries too. He, he just can't stay healthy without his P, like uh, PEDs. Like he just can't stay healthy without him. Like it's just, he's shown that year after year after year. Exactly. Yeah. I, th I think if you're a strong contender and you've got a really good squad and you're just looking for those little bits of depth, I would be interested in acquiring for the right price or hopefully getting him thrown in into a bigger deal just to sit on your bench. And then he'll have those. Well, in theory, he'll have those three or four big games every year that you can throw him on as a flex play, you know, maybe fill in for um, bye weeks and things like that. Juju, I 
Juju is a weird one for me because I just think that the people that are hardcore Juju stands believers, they even they're starting to give up, and they're probably the ones rostering Juju at this <laughs> at this stage. So yeah. I don't know if you can really get a deal on him, and I just don't think. I mean, he's had so many different opportunities and different situations. I don't think he is what we thought he was going to be. I think he was just really a beneficiary of an amazing situation for a year or two with a hall of fame quarterback and a great wide receiving core where he wasn't the focal point for the defense um sorry sorry, go ahead okay but yeah i was thinking uh juju i feel like people some people are starting to hate him a little too much and say he's a bad receiver he's not a bad wide receiver he's a solid slot guy but he's not someone that is a wide receiver one on the team he is a complimentary wide receiver too and if you were to go somewhere where he gets that opportunity, like maybe Travis Kelsey starts to fall off in Kansas City and he goes to sit right next to Tyree Kill, that would be so interesting. I feel like he could absolutely put up wide receiver two, top 24 numbers, uh, fantasy football numbers with Mahomes in that offense. If Travis Kelsey were to really start going on the downfall. Yeah, exactly. If he goes to the right situation, he is a talented receiver. Yeah. We just need to manage our expectations of him. So yep. absolutely, if you can acquire him at a price that allows him to be your wide receiver three, that's great. That's perfect. Yeah. Um, because hopefully he should stay healthy. And then when he moves on and gets a better deal, hopefully at a team that needs him and will utilize him. Um, but yeah, I mean, those, of those guys, I think DJ Chark is certainly somebody that you should be knocking, yeah. you know, knocking on the manager's door, seeing what they want for him before they've started to really think about, or before they're clicking on to the fact that free agency is coming up. I don't even think people, a lot of people are even thinking about him or even realize that he's in a free agent coming up. Uh, Michael hey. Gallup, Another right. one that I think you should be looking into as well. I'm not as fussed on Russell Gage personally. No. I'm not bothered yeah, I by him. Ask you. I think it was a situation thing last year. I think there was nobody else. So I think he's yeah. fine, but I, I would definitely way I would way rather I'll put it that way. I would way rather have DJ Chark than Russell Gage personally. Um, but yeah, those are kind of our thoughts on free agency. Definitely hit us up if you have any questions or anybody that you're kicking around. But certainly from looking at the quarterbacks, just as a recap, we would be interested in kicking the tires on Marcus Mariota. Certainly Mitchell Trubisky, Jameis Winston, um, and maybe even Fitzpatrick. But again, that would just have to be a very, very like a fourth or like just a throw in on a deal because of his age. And, uh, and then wide receivers were very interested in Allen Robinson, Chris Godwin, um, and DJ Chark and Michael Gallup and OBJ. And yeah. then the guys that we're kind of interested in, but have to be the right price would be Will Fuller, Juju Smith-Schuster, and probably Russell Gage, maybe in that category as well again if you can get them for very cheap then fair enough um same would go with christian kirk for me we're gonna go into the deep dive dynasty deep dive so we are talking philadelphia eagles this week because hutchison is a philadelphia eagles Die hard 15 year fan. And um, we're going to just do what we normally do, which is basically talk through what their current value is, remind you of where they finished on um, this last year in fantasy, and then talk quickly about values, like what it would cost to acquire them. And then kind of talk through, are we willing to acquire them at that cost? Or are we kind of getting rid of them at that cost? So just a reminder, then whenever we're talking about values, I am looking at a 12 team super flex tight end premium league as the standard. That's Mm -hmm. simply because that's what I play in mostly. Um, 
again, that's what we're talking about when we talk about dynasty trade calculator values and things like that, or dynasty nerd rankings or my rankings. I do ranking for dynasty nerds. So it's kind of the, the consensus and then my personal rankings that we talk about. But again, it's just to give you a frame of reference. So kind of a starting point. So if you're talking about a one QB league, the values are going to be slightly different. Um, for example, rookie picks won't be worth as much in a one QB league as they would be in a super flex because in super flex, more quarterbacks get drafted, more talent gets pushed down the board. So that would be why maybe a 101 in a super flex league is worth more than a 101 in a one QB league. So yeah. without further ado, we are going to start with the quarterback, of course, Jalen Hurts, a very right. controversial character. He Absolutely. is... QB, he finishes the QB eight this year, which is really impressive. Um, 21.4 points per game. He's only 23 years old. He is under rookie contract until 2024. And as far as value goes on Dynasty Trade Calculator, again, 12 team Superflex tight end premium. He comes in at a 33, which is roughly the equivalent of the 101. So you'd have to have like literally the 101 to even get in the conversation. You might even have um, Dynasty Nerds have him at QB 12. I've got him at QB 11. I'm going to throw it to Hutchinson, the Philadelphia faithful here. I know Mike Bauer from <laughs> Dynasty Rewind is not a fan of Jalen Hurts, but where do Yay. you come down as an Eagles fan? And what are your thoughts on, um, on Jalen Hurts value for Dynasty? So I know I am an Eagles fan. A lot of people would say, oh, he's just biased. He's going to believe in Jalen Hurst. I'm actually pretty pessimistic as an Eagles fan. Like I, I always like, I just always destroy the Eagles in their latest decisions. Like Justin Jefferson, like Jalen Rager over Justin Jefferson. I mean, like, come on Eagles, let's go. But Jalen Hurts, it's so interesting because if you're going to buy him, it's going to be now before the draft. If you're going to sell him, it's going to be before the draft because the Eagles have three picks within pick 15 to 20. And they 100% have the ability to draft a quarterback at that spot or trade up and get a quarterback. And if they were, his value is going to plummet and it is never coming back up for a while unless that quarterback were to leave, which I really, really doubt. So Jalen Hurts, I think he's actually a solid buy at the 101 because, look, if you're looking for a quarterback, right, because if you're you have the 101, you're likely looking at quarterback like you're likely weak at quarterback. Right. So if you're looking at the 101, you're like the quarterbacks are just not worth it there. I'd rather have Jalen Hurts in Dynasty than every other rookie quarterback in this NFL draft class. Like there's just no one that I'm saying, oh, I'd much rather have him than Jalen Hurts. So. The 101, I, I think I'm willing to give that up this year specifically for Jalen Hurts. What is your understanding as a as an Eagles fan yourself? I mean, I personally, I believe at the end of the season there, I think I'd heard some quotes, some comments from Sirianni and the brass at the Eagles kind of saying that they felt that Hurts had done enough to earn the starting gig in 2022. Yeah. Now that could be coach speak. Of course, everyone tries to say nice things about their players in the off season, but yeah, what's yeah. your understanding? Do you feel confident or how, where is your confidence? I should say um, that he will be the guy under center uh, at the start of the 2022 season. I feel like they're going to give him another chance. I feel like they're going to give him one more year to prove himself because look, the Eagles know that they're in a bit of a rebuild right now. Like they are not a team that's going to go out there and win now. So I don't believe they're going to go out and trade for, you know, one of these big name quarterbacks like Jimmy Garoppolo or Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson or anybody like that. They're not going to go trade for somebody like that. And in the draft, I feel like there's just so many things they need to build up first, like with their offensive line, their defensive line. They need to revamp both those positions. I feel like wide receiver 
could use a look. I feel like their corner room could use a look as well. Like they just have so many different problems to fix on their team that I feel like replacing Jalen Hurts would not be the first option, especially since this quarterback class is pretty weak. So I think they gave Jalen Hurts another chance. I feel like they gave him another season. And I do believe that next year he will be better as a quarterback. That's good to hear. Yeah, because I would sort of, I would feel the same way. I think that he definitely gets a shot. I would be very surprised. Uh, like you say, to your point, I think that, you know, Devonta Smith is the only really solid you know, receiver that they have at the moment. Goddard is a great tight end, um, but in the receiving room, really Smith's only like kind of stud they've got. Um, and if they want him to succeed, they need some people for him to throw the ball to. So I'd be very shocked if they didn't at least draft one receiver in the draft. And then like you say, there's other little bits and pieces that they need to look at along the line and um, uh, even in their on their defense and stuff like that. So I think that I'd be very surprised if they don't give him a shot in 2022. I, I would be expecting that. And he was really banged up at the end of the year as well. People forget. Um, he was really struggling so that could have impeded his running and things like that as well he definitely has that konami code gene in him which is perfect for fantasy so yeah i would say we both sort of are on the same page he seems like a bit of a buy certainly certainly up for um acquiring if people are nervous if the person who rosters him is nervous about the draft and thinks he's getting replaced um then i would be i'd be intrigued because even if you're getting one solid year you know the truth is he's probably done enough in the QB market to get a job somewhere else, even if it wasn't in Philly, I would say. So yeah, I would be happy enough to, to acquire him if you can get him for that price. Uh, moving along, we are going to be talking Devonta Smith because he is the creme de la creme of the receiving room. He finishes wide receiver 30, which doesn't sound that great, but he was a rookie. So we'll cut him some slack. He was 11.2 points per game. He's only 23 years old. So he's the same age as Hertz and he is under rookie contract till 2025. Now, on Dynasty Trade Calculator, his value comes in at a 24.9, which basically, if we're putting that in rookie picks, is an early to mid first. So again, in a super flex league, you're probably talking the 103, the 104, the 105, somewhere in that range to acquire. Um, Dynasty nerds have him as wide receiver 19. I've got him as wide receiver 17, so like a very solid wide receiver two that you could build around. Um, But yes, I'll throw it to Hutchison here. What are your thoughts on Devonta Smith, and um, where would would you be looking to acquire or get rid of at that sort? prices i think he's an amazing wide receiver like coming in this season like coming into this year uh i thought he was better than jamar chase i thought honestly watching them both play i thought he was a better talent than jamar chase obviously i have been definitely been proven wrong based on rookie years but i still think devonta smith is a is an amazing wide receiver amazing number one player his his toe drag like what like on the sideline Watching him, watching him like toe drag on the sidelines, unbelievable. The catches he's been able to make this year, you know, with some Jalen, some off Jalen Hurts throws have been unbelievable to watch, especially that one over Patrick Sertan uh, in the end zone over Patrick Sertan. That was unbelievable as well. Devon Smith has, is just a playmaker. He has great yak ability. He, he is smaller, but if you watch a lot of his film, you can see he's blocking some bigger guys. He's throwing some shoulders and he did not get hurt one time this season. Did he miss a game this season? No, he, he didn't miss a game. So Devonta Smith, I'm willing to buy at an early to mid first price is, is what it says here on the show doc. I'm willing to buy at that price. Absolutely. Perfect. Yeah, I would say I totally agree with you personally. I think because of what Jamar Chase did, because of what a couple of the other players have done, he's kind of had the shine taken off him a little bit. Um, but I would say that's probably a good buy low opportunity because he is an absolute yeah. stud. To your point, he was he did show that he can stay healthy. He did show that he can 
he can win in the league because that was some of people's concerns and knocks about him is because of how small he was. Um, is he going to be able to ha- hold up, you know, in an NFL season? Is he going to be able to create separation? Is he going to be able to, and he's an amazing route runner. He's an yeah. incredible athlete. He's already one of the better route runners in the NFL. Yeah. So, him, he's already one of the better ones. Exactly. And, and, and the thing is there are some really good, interesting wide receiver prospects or some really good, interesting running back prospects in this upcoming yeah. draft. But in general, I would always rather have the known commodity than the unknown because we know that Devonta exactly. Smith looks good in the league. And we know that really the only way is up because either Jalen hurts takes a step forward and is a better quarterback, which is great for him, or they get a better quarterback, which is great for him. So I think either way, it's probably only, only going to get better in his sophomore year. And most receivers get better in their sophomore year. So yeah, absolutely. I would be looking to acquire. I'm going to rattle through these next couple quickly because I don't think they're as important, but I do. It's a deep dive. So I do want to kind of talk through any sort of skill position players. So the other guys in the receiving room at the moment that I would say would be, would be intriguing to people would be Jalen Rager and Quez Watkins. Now Jalen Rager, as you touched on earlier, a very disappointing first round pick from a couple years ago. He finishes the wide receiver 94, didn't even average five points per game. Quez Watkins, on the other hand, wide receiver 71. He averaged six points. So he actually scored better and gave you more production. And he seemed to come on a little bit as the season went on. There seems to be a little bit of a rapport there. Good, good talk coming out of the Eagles camp, um, you know, from Jalen Hurts and from different people about Quez Watkins work ethic and who he is coming along as a receiver. Um, But out of these two, do you have any interest in either of them on your teams or are you kind of done with both of them? Jalen Rager is an absolute failure and an abomination. I'm not interested <laughs> in him at all. I don't want him on any fantasy teams. I don't want him on the Eagles. I want him to go to the Cowboys and somehow ruin them. Like, I just don't want him on my teams at all. I think, honestly, just watching him this year, it's been a complete joke. It really has. Watching him play this year, he's dropped some footballs at crucial moments. He's just made some absolutely stupid plays. And watching him, Quez Watkins is a faster receiver. I think Devonta Smith even looks a bit quicker than Jalen Rager, and that was supposed to be Jalen Rager's thing. I don't know if he was injured this year. I'm just done. But Quez Watkins is actually interesting interesting to me because, honestly, I think he could absolutely, like, if the Eagles really don't touch up on wide receiver, which, honestly, I could really, like, if they want to give Devonta Smith and Dallas Goddard that, that real chance, they're not going to bring in an Alec Robinson or a Chris Godwin. And they don't really have the cap space to do so either. So if they don't really draft a receiver, don't really bring anyone in, Quez Watkins is setting up to be, at worst, the third option on this team. Like, it really is setting up that way. And if something were to happen to Goddard or Devonta Smith, Quez Watkins gets a bigger boost. And Watkins, honestly, down the stretch, he actually looked solid. And he made some big plays and some crucial moments for this Eagles offense. So I'm actually pretty excited about Quez Watkins. I'm willing to throw, like, a third at him in dynasty league, see what you can get because he, or like a, as a throw in whatever, you know, I want to receive him because he's someone that's absolutely interesting to me. He's very quick, very explosive and can take any play to the house. So, yeah, like I'm pretty much exact same as you. Um, let's touch on the running back room here now. Cause it was very confusing <laughs> and oh, it was very God. frustrating. So yeah. Miles Sanders, um, he's the lead back quote unquote. I do like Miles Sanders as a talent. Yeah. I think he's a very talented running back. But he did have a weird year. He had a, missed a couple games through injury and was just inconsistent um, when he was playing. He finishes the RB40, 9.8 points per game, so just under 10 points per game. Um, he is 24. He will be 25 by the time the season 
season is here. Rookie contract until 2023. So in theory, they still have him for another year or two. Um, well, next year anyways. And yeah. then Dynasty Trade Calculator value-wise, he comes in at a 10.3, which would be sort of around the 201. So we're talking like a really early second in a super flex league. Um, Dynasty nerds have him at the running back 20 in, in Dynasty leagues, and I've got him at RB23. So I'm a little bit lower than consensus, kind of a low-end RB2. Um, but yeah, wh- what are your thoughts on Miles Sanders, and what do you see his future being for the Eagles, and are you interested in him on your Dynasty squads at all? So Miles Sanders is someone that I agree with you. I think he's a talented player. I think that when you watch him, when you watch the film, he's explosive. He can break tackles. He can make people miss. He's a talented player, but he could not stay healthy this season. He's had trouble with injuries in his career. Number one. Number two, I don't think he's an Eagle after 2023. I don't think he's an Eagle after 2023. I don't think they're going to resign him. They have, they haven't given second contracts to many running backs lately. They haven't given many second contracts out to running backs. They don't really tend to do that. So I feel like they're going to, I feel like they're going to let him ride out his contract and then move on from him, look for a different running back. And honestly, the 201 right now is too high for me. It's a little too high for me to to go after him for that year because you're basically talking about a first round pick at that price, like the the first yeah, like yeah. first rounder. You're basically Especially in the super flex, pick. yeah. You're talking about basically a first round pick and in a super flex league, especially like, yeah, there's some talent back there at the, the, the early second, late first round. And I don't think I'm willing to give up any of those guys from Miles Sanders. This draft class is pretty weak, but I'm still not willing to do it. I feel like Miles Sanders, I feel like you can get better value for that. If you can get Miles Sanders like a late second or maybe even early third, which I have seen done in dynasty super flex leagues. I've seen Miles Sanders go for a early third. <laughs> That's that is wild. At. That's where people are at with Miles Sanders. So if you can find the right manager, you can absolutely get a late second, early third for Miles Sanders. That's where I'm willing to pay for pay for him. But the 201 is just a bit too high, a bit too expensive for my blood right now. I uh, absolutely no, I understand exactly. I think what you're saying is makes a lot of sense because um with this even with this draft class you know i've been going through a lot of the running backs lately and there's definitely running backs that i'd be intrigued to take a chance on rather than take what i have seen from miles sanders so far in his career um kenneth gainwell really quickly what are your thoughts on him he finishes the rb48 interestingly enough so only eight spots behind miles sanders he averaged seven points per game he's 23 he's under rookie contract till 20 2025 and he seems very cheap to acquire like third round pick uh, cheap um he's the rb45 yeah. for dynasty nerds rb40 for me so certainly somebody i'd be interested in to stash um and see how he develops i really liked his college tape but what are your thoughts on him and do you have any sort of insight into how he might be utilized moving forward yeah i really i i'm completely in agreement with you just stash him and see what happens you know for a third round pick and you know i did like him coming out of college as well i thought he, he looked really nice and explosive Honestly, I think he could be used like, you know, if they move on from Miles Sanders after 2023 and bring in like more of a bruiser back, he could be absolutely be used as like a pass catching type of back. So if you can get Kenneth Gainwell in a PPR format and he's getting, you know, four or five receptions a game soon, that's going to be very helpful. And for a third round price, that's very, that's very good. I don't think he's going to do much next season at all, but once mate, because Miles Sanders, if Miles Sanders is there, He's someone that can catch passes and he's going to get in Kenneth Gainwell's way. But if the Eagles are move on from Miles Sanders in 2023 and bring in like more of a bruiser back, Kenneth Gainwell is someone that can absolutely work in the passing game, be a good pass catching back. So that's something I'd be interested in. So 
I'd I'd be willing to throw a third at him. Really quickly here, just to wrap up the Eagle section, Dallas Goddard, the tight end seven on the year, averaged 11 points per game. He is 27, which is not that old. He's kind of hitting his prime there for a tight end. He's under contract until 2026. So they, they do have an out after 2024, but obviously he had that big, big extension. So he looks pretty solidly locked in there for at least the next few years. Um, in a super flex tight end premium league, you're looking at about a 21.1 on Dynasty Trade Calculator, which is about a mid first so probably 104 to 106 107 somewhere in there and dynasty nerds and myself both have them ranked solidly at tight end seven so kind of a mid uh tight end one what are your thoughts on what are your thoughts on dallas and are you willing to acquire at that price in a tight end premium league i'd be willing to apply a uh like that tight end seven price i'd be willing to go after him at that price whether it's a mid first in uh in a tight end premium or in a non-tight end premium it's more like a late first I'd be willing to, I'd be absolutely willing to do that. Like him and Devonta Smith, I believe are the future of this offense. I don't really feel it matters what quarterback is there. I feel like the Eagles use their tight end well. They use their tight end a lot, and he's going to get good targets. And he proved this year that he can be the clear number one tight end on this team. I think he's pretty appropriately priced at tight end seven as like a mid first in a tight end premium league. Yeah, so he's not a steal, but it's not yeah. like, you're, you're wasting your money to go and get him. Those yeah. are the thoughts here from the brilliant Hutchison on the Eagles. And to wrap up, we're just going to touch on a couple quick questions that we had. First question, everyone. Question. 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 I have a lot of questions. It's a ridiculous question. How dare you? This is so important. I should run to answer it. So we had a two questions pop in here from Twitter earlier in the week. We had a mm-hmm. question from Kev White at Dynasty underscore Goat on Twitter. Shout out Kev. He said, "Which rookie running back should the Eagles draft him?" So he's obviously <laughs> he's obviously a frustrated yeah. manager for Sanders. Do you think there's any interest uh, from the Eagles in a in a rookie running back in this class? And if so, who do you think would be a good fit there? I think there absolutely is a there's absolutely is interest from uh, the Eagles in this in this running back draft class. There's going to be interest, and honestly, like I'm just gonna go for who I think is the best one. And honestly, I think he he'd fit with Kenneth Gainwell pretty well. I think it's Brees Hall. Brees Hall is like a strong physical back, and he's going to be able to like he's gonna be able, you know I was talking about earlier like a stronger physical back to pair with Kenneth Gainwell in the passing game. I feel like that'd be really really nice for this offense. So. I'm gonna. I, I like Brees Hall here. Yeah, be, he'd be like a he'd be like a Miles Sanders 2.0, wouldn't he? He's like quite similar oh, to Miles man. Sanders in some ways with his ability to catch passes and his shiftiness in the open field and things like that. Maybe he just would be less injured and <laughs> younger and possibly um, that would be lovely to see. I, I don't know because yeah. he is. I would say he's well for me personally. He's the 101 as far as running backs in this class, Brees Hall. Um, yeah. So I would be surprised if. I would be surprised if the Eagles take him in the first round because I just don't think that'll happen. But then I'd be surprised if he's still there by like the second or third round necessarily if if yeah. that's when they're going to want to take him. But that would be would be great to see. I'd be surprised if it was a first round pick. Yeah. Yeah. But I feel like that. I feel like I that's the one I would want most as an Eagles fan, as a fantasy player. That's the one I would want most. Did have another question here from Wilson Davidson on Twitter at Wilson D nineteen ninety two. Shout out Wilson, thanks for the question. How high do you think Devonta Smith's ceiling is? So, where for would you say point. realistically you could see him as like? Do you see him as a top twelve wide receiver in the future, or do you think he's top five? Like, where where would you say realistically you think he will get to? Devonta Smith, I mean, so 
are we talking for 2022? Or are we talking like just seasons? Ahead? I think he just more means, I, I believe he's just talking dynasty wise. He's saying, should he be valuing him as a future top 12 wide receiver? Should he be valuing him as just a wide receiver too? You know, cause I think what he's trying to get at is probably if he has Devonta Smith and there's people in his league interested, should he be valuing him as somebody who's going to be a top 12 someday yeah. or top, you know, 24, you know, so he can see if, mm-hmm. is there value in, in moving off of him? If someone is, valuing him as a top 12 whereas you know you're saying actually i don't think he's ever going to be more than 17 to 24 range something like that yes yeah, so devonta smith i believe he he you know in terms of talent i believe he can hit the top 12 like in nfl talents but i'm assu- assuming jalen hurts is the starter for the next two seasons i i just don't see many worlds where he hits a top 12 performance top 15 sure but I don't see many worlds where he hits the top 12. It's just because like the, the Eagles with Jalen hurts, like they're probably going to run a little bit more. He runs the ball himself. And, and honestly, like I, th- I think he's going to get better as a passer, but I don't think he's ever going to be like a top 10 NFL passer. I don't think he's ever going to become that type of guy. And Devonta Smith also likes to work in the deep game. I don't know how well Jalen hurts is going to be in the deep game. Like, I don't know how good he's going to be. So with all the question marks at quarterback and for the next three to four seasons, if Jalen Hurts is starting, I don't see a top 10, top 12 finish, but I don't know. Like if they were to bring in like a stud quarterback, like, I don't know, like if they were to bring in Aaron Rodgers to start for the next few seasons, which I don't see, but if they were to bring him in, I could absolutely see a top five finish for Devonta Smith. 100%. No, that's fair. I think I agree with you in that. As things stand, which obviously we can only project really on what we see now, what we can hear now, what we can understand now. I would say right now, you know, if someone is willing to pay top 12 prices for him, I'm probably happy to get rid of him at that price. Um, Yeah. If someone is paying top 12 prices for him, it's probably a little bit rich for my blood. But if they're only valuing him as a low end wide receiver too, I'd probably be buying at that price because I think, like you said, even with the circumstances he's in, I would not be shocked come next year. This time we're talking about how he finishes the wide receiver 14 or wide receiver 16 or something like that, which is very valuable and somebody you can start every week. So absolutely. And guys, we've run out of time here, so we're going to cut it off here. And I just want to say a special thank you very much to my two guests today who hopped on at the very last minute. So absolute gentlemen that they are. Thank you to BJ. He had to dash out of here early because he had some calls to go on. But again, you can find him at BJ Ruddle on Twitter. He's the Pro Football Network's fantasy football director. And thank you very much to Hutchison Brown at T-Y-F-M-N-F-L on Twitter, host of the Young Dynasty, the Young Fantasy Mind, isn't it? The Young Fantasy, young Fantasy Mind. Mind Football yeah. Podcast, yeah. Definitely check that out. Um, I, like we mentioned, he's only 15 and he's absolutely killing it with content and with connections and with just making moves and th- making things happen. So absolutely proud of him and excited to have had him on the podcast. Is there anything else you want to shout out, Hutch, before we go? Um, No, man. I mean, I appreciate the shout outs, but I mean, you know, I do write, I just want to say one thing. I do write articles for DLF, Dynasty League Football. You can go find those if you have a DLF subscription. But yeah, Evan, I appreciate the shouts. I appreciate the love. It means a lot. Thank you. Absolutely. A fellow Brown killing it out there. Love to see it. So thank you so much, guys, for sticking with us. And come back next week. We'll pick up with part two of the impending free agents. Have a good week and speak to you soon. 
I drive zero RB in Dynasty. Pass up a young receiver? Nah, I couldn't be me. My fifth wide receiver ran, it's only round seven. Not sure if I'm dead, cause I think this is heaven. Now forget what he said and listen to me. What you really wanna do is stack those RBs. You can be Linda, just let me be frank. Those RBs on your roster is money in the bank. One says it's awful, the other says it's great. It's time to buckle in for a dynasty debate.